Hey, Ian. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about some very interesting stuff. And it's really got to do with, you know, the power of music and frequency and its ability to heal and transform our our bodies and our minds. And, you know, you do a lot of work creating these frequency-based music uh, tracks to help people, you know, heal in in various ways. And, um, I mean, it's a fascinating field, right? And to do with vibration and energy. And um, I'm looking forward to our discussion today. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I'm excited. Great. So I think maybe just to get us sort of started, like, what's the best way to understand how sound can impact, you know, our body physiologically? Yeah. Well, I think the most general place to start is like, how much we're influenced by other vibrations, you know, um, everything in our perceived reality is a vibration of light and sound. And so, you know, there is a frequency and we are influenced by that, whether it's the food we're eating or the company we're keeping or the news and media that we're taking in, all of these things have vibrations and they affect our body, um, accordingly. And so I think like that is the easiest way to understand that, vibration has a direct effect on consciousness it has a direct effect on the health of our bodies it has a direct effect on our mental you know health and state of being um and also i think as far as our you know perspective you know vibration is very crucial and the 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 vibration and perspective that we're carrying so i think that all things are influenced yeah and i mean you know even if you look at the sort of like latest theories in physics about how the fundamental elements of the universe are really vibrating strings, right? That's the string theory and how that sort of subsequently builds up and creates matter. And so it would make sense that by attuning to various vibrational frequencies, you can actually change matter to a a significant degree. Um, like I actually brought a book with me today because uh, have you ever read uh, this book by Dr. Masuru Emoto called The Hidden Messages? Yes, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so for those who haven't read it, basically what this scientist in Japan d- did was he played various frequencies and spoke to just basically different like bottles of water. And then he would... Uh, put them on a microscope and freeze them and then uh, look at how they crystallized and the frequencies and the positive words that were spoken to the specific water um, they crystallized in very you know symmetric and beautiful patterns whereas the negative words and the bad so-called bad frequencies that were spoken to the water or played for the water um, had very disorganized and chaotic crystalline structures when viewed under a microscope and you know he used this theory to sort of uh, or not this theory this evidence to sort of further this claim that you know there is huge power in word and in sound that it affects you know water on at a like a molecular level and i mean we're like 70 whatever percent water and so it makes sense that 
it affects us in the same way. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting too is in his book, he talks a lot about the negative side of neglect. Like, so there was three studies, right? There was the positive and then there was the harsh and negative, you know, view, you know, depending on how you view it. Uh, and then there was the neglected, you know, side where they just did nothing. They didn't speak to it. Mm-hmm. They didn't give it any attention. And they were showing that that was like some of the harshest growth of like bacteria, mold, you know, uh, there was a lot of, um, it was just really interesting. So, it makes you think about us as people, like when we went through these last few years of isolation and people just kind of feeling neglected and the mental health that that brought to light under a magnifying glass where people really said like, wow, interaction and community and communication is so crucial for our growth and for our stability and well-being. And um, the other thing I was going to say is back in the 70s, there was a book called The Secret Life of Plants. And it, when I saw Momoto's work, it really made me look at that book and wonder what's really being affected in that study. Is it the water or is it the actual plants and you know there's they were showing in that book that there was almost like a semi-conscious reality going on between the different parts of the plant like i remember one of the things they did was they took a leaf uh from one of the plants and drove it like five miles away and then like burned it and they were showing that the plant actually had a response to that leaf being burned and so there's like a connection in that and that quantum entanglement almost you know uh that goes on between those living things but yeah, man, I think it's just fascinating. You know, Amoto's work is is amazing. But that's an interesting distinction that you're making between, you know, the water in the plant and the sort of being or essence of the plant and how even though it's constructed of parts, seemingly they're connected in a way that would make the whole um more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, well, think right and what, like with us. Go ahead. Yeah, us with our gut bacteria. You know how crucial they're seeing the link between the gut health and the mental clarity and focus, and and then you look at the yeah. water of our bodies and how all these different. It's like we have a universe, you know, that we're walking around in, and that there's all these parts that are you know facets of our consciousness and linked together in this working fashion, like our powers combined, you know, <laughs> it's like that kind of, yeah. <laughs> that kind of focus, I guess with it. But yeah, it's just really neat. Yeah. And it's cool. And I mean, just thinking about like what makes us a whole being, right? It's very complicated because seemingly you can cut off various limbs from your body and still be the same person, um, cognitively and consciously even though that part of you is missing and yet how much of it can you take away before you don't have a person anymore and i mean there's no clear answers to this right some people will say well oh it's your nervous system but it's like but it's actually i think it's more complicated than that and especially with the work that's being done on how memories are stored in the body and not just in the brain and in the nervous system and you know like a really weird strange example is like how people who get organ transplants all of a sudden develop you know new thinking patterns and potentially even like personality traits and uh that's because you know well theoretically it's possible that um that organ that came from someone else had all sorts of things stored in it even though it's just tissue right i saw this uh uh, a show, a program one time where a person had had a heart transplant and they were never, they were a 
they had never dabbled in the arts and they started painting and it was this very masterful paintings that were coming through and they didn't have any training and they were interviewing the person and they just said that once they had the heart transplant they just had this calling and the more that they dabbled the more that they played with the the paint and the canvas that it just kept getting better and better and they were just really in awe and they asked the person did you think and then they they went and had a discussion with the transplant transplant family and the family was like yeah she was an artist she painted, she did all these wow. things. And um, so, yeah, it was just really interesting. And I think the other thing that's really fascinating about all of this is that like the Heart Math Institute, right? If you're familiar with them, um, showing that the heart actually has a small neural network that's communicating with the brain more than the brain is communicating with the heart. And they're really pushing a thing right now called heart brain coherence where they're, you know, doing these exercises of mindfulness to connect the heart and the brain and change the brain wave activity and to facilitate new lower, um, you know, uh, heart rates and, and just trying to get people to kind of anchor in or ground and become, you know, relaxed to overcome like things like anxiety and sleep issues and, and stuff like that. So, the, the body is a magnificent, you know, system of all of these yeah. constructs that, like you said, it's just so interesting to listen to the different viewpoints on what makes us, you know, who we are. And also the experience, right? Because I think it it's one thing to speak in sort of scientific principles and look at statistics and analyses, but really, for me at least, when you hear people talk about these experiences or see them, uh, that's when it takes on a, a different kind of reality where it's no longer just numbers and, you know, uh, theoretical concepts. It's like, no, like this is a real experience that this person is having. And, you know, that heart transplant patient, um, you know, had you spoken to them before, they, I bet no one would have thought that, all of a sudden they would have developed this artistic flair and can now paint and is, you know, much more creative and whatever else was going on. Uh, and yet it happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it didn't, no one tried to make it happen. It wasn't like an experiment. It was just, this was the consequence of putting one heart into another person's body. And it really just, for me, it raises more questions of just how much we really don't understand about ourselves and the universe and our relationship with it. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I love people like Alan Watts, um, you know, that just mm -hmm. pose such philosophical, deep rooted questions of, you know, you say I am this or I am me and like, who is you, you know, who are you? Right. And, um, and it's yeah. just really interesting. Do you describe yourself by your job title or your career? Do you just describe yourself in accordance to your family or, you know, uh, or, you know, what is your legacy? What are you leaving behind? Is it, you know, experiences? Is it wealth? Is it this? Is it that? And it's like when you get down to it and you start dissecting, you know, as above, so below and really getting into the kind of cellular and the the makeup on the you know micro and the macro it's just uh it's just really interesting you know the the 
the perspective, you know, that people hold with that. Definitely. And what's also interesting is like, to sort of like bring it back to our, our conversation about vibration is it's how our interactions with each other, particularly, but also with our environment and all the things in it, uh, influence us. Yes, yeah. Right? And in ways that we're much, I think it's far more unconscious than it is conscious, which is to say that we're not sort of aware of all of these I don't even know if you want to call them messages or or energy or vibration that is affecting us and that we affect on others just in virtue of our presence and our state of mind and our being and uh, some might say your level of vibration at the time. And it just has an effect, right? And it's so interesting because, you, you know, I think most people could probably even relate to it. It's like sometimes you walk into a room and there'll be a person there and you don't know why. But you just get this really bad vibe <laughs> yeah. from this person, or on the opposite end, a really good, good mm-hmm. vibe. But bad is more uh, memorable, you know, because we have a negativity bias. But and that's nothing. That's not because of anything that person has necessarily done. Um, they're just standing there, and yet somehow, on some level, you can just feel that something's not right yeah. or it's unsafe. Yeah. Right, and and that's because you're getting messages, well, information, <laughs> however you want to, however you want to put yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting because, like you said, our brain is wired to perceive negative first, and it's a survival technique. You know, it's a it's to keep yeah. us safe, um, and so it's like it's always really interesting to for people who are intuitive and have done the work to kind of live in their heart space. I feel like they're more sensitive to some of these energies like walking into the rooms like what you're describing and i think people who live in their head are sometimes oblivious to some of these energies that come in and i think the new age that we're growing into is is uh coming out of the information age and and almost overly you know just overwhelmed with the amount of data that is in you know a person's daily routine these days it's just it's not you can't process it all you know it's just impossible so um i think what's going to happen is in the next you know three to five years you're going to start seeing this movement growing into more of an intuitive based existence you know where people are starting to take responsibility to learn more about nutrition and health and taking those matters into their own hands because for so long we've been giving our power away to the doctors to the lawyers to you know the lawmakers and it's like we're just kind of going along with whatever comes and i think that we are all creative beings and part of that vibrational state is not only recognizing hey i'm not feeling the way that i would like to and i'm going to start making some changes with my nutrition or the way i move my body or the people I'm hanging out with. And that's like a very Mm -hmm. internal bubble kind of uh, focus, but it's like on the exterior, like, uh, you know, out of that bubble, um, I think what I'm trying to say is just that there's an interdependence. You know, like you look at the sun and the sun is a part of helping to grow life on earth, but there's soil, there's, there's healthy bacteria and nutrients in the soil, you've got rain, that's needed. All of these things are needed to grow this seed into a life form. 
And so I think us as people are no different. Like there's things that we have to do internally as a person to grow. But at a certain point, we reach our limit where then intimate relationships and community-based relationships, business-based relationships force us out of our comfort zone and force us to grow. And I think that for me, that's what this life is about is this classroom of continual growth and pushing us into the uncomfortable, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting to sort of liken it to, you know, the growth of a plant, right? Because for me, what the message is like that, you know, perhaps we should consider ourselves as an ecosystem, right? And an ecosystem has many forces that work to balance and counterbalance. And, you know, there's feedback loops and things like that. And uh, it works based on the, the sort of like principle of survival and continuation. Um, and what's involved in that is a lot of good things and also a lot of bad things, right? Because that's a necessary part of it. Like in order for you to grow and continue to grow, many of your cells have to die right to be replaced by new cells um, and that's particularly true when you're like let's say learning something new that's less cellular and more cognitive but when you're learning something new or particularly unlearning something from the past um, a part of you has to shift and change and it's very difficult yeah. right and whether it's a, a mental or an emotional challenge um, there is forces that you have to overcome right and Similarly, in an ecosystem, you know, if a plant wants to survive, it has to survive uh, potential factors like drought or flooding or competitive, you know, like resource competition, uh, all of these things that work against it. And yet, once it's, they overcome those things, it's even stronger, right, because of those things. Um, I mean, it's, it's even like what Alan Watts, he had that famous thought experiment that I heard a while back where, you know, because people often complain that um, life is difficult, right? Like there should be no challenges in life. And I empathize with them with that greatly because when you're facing hardship and, you know, tragedy and things like that, it sucks, yeah. right? And life feels terrible. Um, and during that time, you know, it's reasonable to say that it is like, it's not to downplay any of those things. And then you take a step back and you say, well, you know, if you were to, if you were God and you created a universe for yourself, right, the first thing you would do is you would fulfill all your desires, right? Um, physical, mental, emotional, all of it. And you would do that for a while. And then eventually you'd get bored and then you'd want to do something that's challenging, right? But you wouldn't want to know how it ends because if you knew how it ends, uh, or you knew that it was going to be fine and all of these things, okay, then it wouldn't be such a challenge anymore. Yeah. Right. And so he's like the ultimate reality is to be in a position where you've put yourself in these challenging positions in order to grow. Yeah. Because pure, you know, um, pleasure is not good enough. Right. And, and so it was just a really interesting ex like thought experiment in terms of how we view challenges to ourselves and our environments and to our life in general. Um, what that makes me think of is there's a, a guy I was talking to and he was talking about relationships and just a friend of mine. And he said, what happens when someone goes through a really rough breakup and, he, and he's like, you know, a guy or, or a girl. 
He's like, they immediately start bettering themselves, right? Setting themselves up for the next situation because everybody wants to be in partnership in some form, you know, for the most part, for Mm -hmm. the most part. And um, people find uh, support and companionship and all these different things. But in order to set up those relationships, they start working out again. They start going through this process of breaking down the old, building up the new, whether that's the body, nutrition, um, healthy habits, you know, all those things. Then when they get the new partner, they start laxing because they have this this comfort, right? And so, I think yeah. like when you look at that, you say, wow, because in one sense of the word, you're like, man, why is everything here on this in this classroom so full of suffering? and hardship and you know tragedy and all of these things injustice and you know all these things and then you look at the growth that people go through and then like when we as humans look at another person's journey like oh man how did you get through that time and you know it's like this inspiration for you if they can do that then i can do that and i think like it's just a huge time uh in the world that i feel like capitalism has served this point of like inspiring people to want to do more and to achieve things. But at the the other side of that coin is that it also has helped people to have this cutthroat mentality by any means necessary, you know? And Mm -hmm. in doing that, I think it's really brought a lot of um, lower vibration to the world. And so I think it's just really interesting to sit back and look at the growth that some people have gone through in the, in the hardships that have, forged them in this fire and made them, you know, beacons of light, conduits of, you know, knowledge and experience and support for the other parts of the world and other parts of their community and friends and family. And those ripples, I think, are what we're watching right now. You know, there's, it's inevitable. There is a change coming. You see it, you know, (laughs) there's big corporations getting sued and losing in court. There's people making different decisions about healthcare and medical treatments. There's different people taking more responsibility, learning and educating themselves and growing. And I think that we're at a real big point in time where there's going to be a new paradigm shift. And I just hope that as a whole or a collective that, that we can really shift towards something that's more based in uh, intuition and love and support and nurturing creativity that uh, we come up with more creative solutions for taking care of one another and, and healing the planet, healing each other. You know, there's a lot of traumas that have been created in this last hundred years. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but it, it's interesting because like, there's two parallels there on the individual level you know all of our icons and heroes um whether they be real or mythic have always gone through tremendous suffering right no hero story has an easy path it's not people are like okay so what Mm -hmm. you know you didn't overcome anything (laughs) because there's something inside of us that recognizes that strength comes from overcoming difficulty yeah. right um and it's not to necessarily justify the difficulty but matter of fact that sort of just seems to be how it is and then you expand that a level up and you look at a society and uh the growing pains that we're going through you might say right where 
as a society now we reach this point like you said where we're at this kind of pivotal moment of of change and, and shifting in mindset and i think you know um, all of this stuff with covid has kind of solidified that in various ways and it just it is a point where we need to sort of be able to hopefully because sometimes those pivotal moments crush yeah right like not everyone makes it through the challenge yes unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, this only the strongest do and only the strongest societies survive similarly and you know i like to be optimistic as much as i can it's, it's not always my go-to nature yeah. but i try consciously because it's better than the alternative and to see that well perhaps what we're going through right now although there is so much turmoil and suffering is going to create something that's even better yeah right for ourselves and for our children and uh, for everyone else and although it's not exactly clear what that looks like like you said you know hopefully it has these virtues of like love and and compassion and kindness and um, and I think strength is a big one too, right? Because like you need to be strong and tough to be good in this yeah. world. Like compassion as a virtue. Like there's this interesting um, school of therapy called compassion focused therapy, right? Which I'm uh, very interested in. And uh, one of the elements of compassion is having the courage and strength to do what is necessary. And so it's not about just saying it's okay as as it is. It's like, no, you identify various sufferings, whether in yourself or other people, and then you have the strength or the courage, firstly, to be willing to act in service of uh, lowering that suffering, uh, and then the strength to do it and the wisdom to know how to do it properly, Mm -hmm. right, without causing more suffering, which is uh, unfortunately a lot of what happens anyway is people try to do good and end up causing just as much harm in a different but similar way, right? And it's just a, interesting to think about compassion uh, in that way where we need strength to do it because it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Right? And like the change that you're speaking about and that we're, everyone is hoping for because everyone wants these things. Yeah. Right? Now, how we, get, how we go about it and how we get to that point is where the sort of controversy lies. But everyone's looking for a better life. Yeah. No one wants it worse. Um, I mean, I guess but maybe there's some people <laughs> that like, you know, hopefully they're not uh, too influential with their their crowds. Right. And so it, it's a matter of just, you know, figuring out the way ways to do that in a way that sort of services everyone uh, in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Do you... Uh, this is a you know personal question, but do you believe in yeah. life after you know the reincarnation process, like that coming back to this classroom type of setting? Yeah. yeah. So. I oh, know. Wait, that wasn't my answer. Oh, okay. To the okay. I was just okay. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah. 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 No. 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 Go. Yeah. It? Go for it. Okay. Um, okay. So I think because I think we'll, it's going to get a bit philosophical yeah. here, which is fine because yeah. that's mine. My yeah, but uh, belief is a complicated word, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I don't exactly have a good definition for it because it's hard to exactly figure out what it means to say I believe in something. And I say that because, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, do I believe, if you ask me a question, like, do I believe that everything is made up of atoms, right? Like all physical things are made up of atoms. Um, I would say yes, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what I've been taught and told. And that's what the sort of general or most people in the world think that to be true. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, but like, do I know that that's true? No, yeah. I don't know that that's true. Because right. I can't, I don't know how to verify that for myself. Right. Even though I've seen the proof that other people have given, it's like I trust where that's coming from as a reliable source, but like really I don't right. know. Um, and yet I say I believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. And so it's like how do you trust it, – it, it's complicated and I'll, I'll explain why I'm bringing that up. It's so when I when people ask, you know, do you believe in God and do you believe in the afterlife and things like that or reincarnation? It's a complicated question because I don't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone really knows. Yes. Right. Um, maybe they do. I, I don't. Uh, what I the theory that I found most appealing and which is how I try and live according to this belief is that. It's not reincarnation in the classic sense. I prefer the theory that the whole universe is one being, right? And each bit is sort of a manifestation, a unique manifestation of that being in a particular way. And so, you know, you and I are essentially the same. So we have the same essence. And so does this table and so do my two dogs who are sitting here and so does everything else. And so in that sense, I exist in multiple versions and realities. Um, Do I think that my consciousness as Shane with all my memories and things like that lives on after death in the same way that it does now? No, I don't think so. Um, Maybe it does, but but it doesn't seem like what's uh, logical to me. Um, Nor have I experienced anything that would indicate otherwise. And so I think that, you know, sort of like the principle that energy cannot be created or destroyed, it merely transforms versions. So whatever energy leaves the body upon physical death, something happens to it. I don't really know what happens. Um, I would like to think good things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, I don't classically believe in like heaven and hell. Um, I think those are sort of mythical creations to understand human psychology more than um, actual physical reality. Uh, And so that's kind of how I would answer that question because I don't know really what I believe other than that's how I'm choosing to sort of live. And so when I interact with people, I try and interact as if I were interacting with myself. And it raises a lot of empathy when you know, I see someone doing something, whatever it is, and I say to myself, well, I think to myself, you know, um, what brought this person to that point, right? Like, why are they doing the things that they're doing? And what would I have to go through in order to make that decision, right? What would have to happen to me or whatever it might be that would lead me to make those decisions or have those beliefs or opinions, um, and oftentimes it's very difficult because it's sort of r- evil things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's hard to contend with. 
But evil doesn't think it's doing evil, <laughs> right? Evil always thinks it's doing good. Yeah. And so it's a matter of just sort of like keeping that in perspective. Yeah. Well, the reason... What do you Yeah, think? well, the reason I was asking yeah. is because that story, uh, that, that philosophy that um, Alan Watts had, you know, I think it was something like basically if you could go to sleep and dream a lifetime, if it was possible to dream a lifetime in a sleep pattern, you know, you could live 70 years in that and you could just endlessly do this every time you want to sleep. He was saying, eventually you're going to slay all the dragons, you know, do all the great stuff like in the hero's journey type of story and you're going to become bored like what you were saying. But he says, eventually you will dream a dream of finding yourself where you are now, which is basically letting go of who you are, like unlearning who you are, forgetting who you are, so that you're basically starting at zero point and have nothing to really base it on. But the reason why I think that that's so interesting to think about is because if our consciousness carries on experiences from these different lifetimes, if that's if we do have different lifetimes and we carry on just a fraction of, of information, you know, and there's been movies, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg was just in a movie, Infinite, I think it was called, where it was basically they could remember their past lifetimes and they had all these experiences and skill sets to pull from mm -hmm. and they would like channel it into the... So basically, um, it's just really interesting because the um, in that moment, when you think about that, it's like us losing ourselves and starting from zero point would be one of those challenges, like he says in that philosophy. Like, yeah. if you had no experience to pull from, no skill sets to pull from, and it's like you had to reinvent yourself from zero point. I find I think it's so fascinating that that would be a challenge. Like, if you had you know, on like the game shows, I'm going to call a friend, I'm going to phone a friend, or I'm going to do this, and you have these things. I think we have those things present in this life. And I think that the universe um, doesn't just throw us untethered into these situations. Like I have found in my experience, I've probably reinvented myself 11 times in this lifetime. And I think what I hold is that, you know, at one point I was a sports star and at another point I ran a nonprofit and at another point I worked with musicians and artists. Another point, you know, it's like all of these different things that feel like lifetimes ago to me inside of this same life. Um, and just doing that, I was able to create change and create um, that kind of rising out of the ashes. But I say I, but it's all of us, like you were saying, how we're all connected. The, the friends and, yeah. and family that came in at different time periods and assisted me um, and the guardian angels and the just different things that just the right money at the right time, the right opportunity at the right time, the right friend or the right book or the right movie that inspired me to, you know, keep going. And so I think like all of this stuff can seem so coincidence uh, or serendipitous or whatever, right? But in the big scheme of things, if you think about this being a railroad track, right? And we're on this destiny. We took this karmic line coming into this existence. Like we chose this for our spiritual and, and evolutionary growth, you know, into consciousness ex experiment that I think we are, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, so basically I'm just saying like, I think there is a plan in the chaos. And I also believe that free will is not us changing our destiny. It's changing how we act and respond to the destiny that we already chose ahead of time. It's kind of my viewpoint on it. So do you think that we have free will? I think we have free will to an extent. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I think we have free will in that we can manifest. We're powerful, creative beings. And I think we can have a manifestation that helps us in our journey. I think we can also have free will in the way that we respond. Like, you know, a person that's a billionaire and overnight loses all their money and their whole world comes crumbling down. They could give up on life. And this is the free will moment. Are you going to take all the experience and all the connections and all the things that you have at this point and realize you're not really starting from zero point? You have everything at your disposal to climb back from whatever this hardship was that just hit you, or you can give up and, mm -hmm. you know, feel sorry, feel sorry for yourself and wallow in self-pity. Uh, and that's a free will moment. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're choosing how you're reacting to that. But I think the data points and the markers and the timeline, I think we already knew that ahead of time coming in and we chose to forget and start at zero point. And we have this agreement with source, you know, uh, that this is our learning experience. Yeah, I think that's just a logical um account of free will i mean free will is very difficult yes to figure out <laughs> yes uh, and it's very uncomfortable to even conceptualize the possibility that we don't have free will yeah um for all sorts of reasons and i don't think it's necessarily helpful to operate on the assumption like on a practical level i don't think it's helpful to operate on the assumption that we don't have free will yeah because, uh then what's the point of doing anything ever exactly right yeah and that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And however, I do think that it's more complicated than just being like, yeah, we can do whatever we want because well, we can't. That's just not true. Right. <laughs> I will um, I will say one thing just to interject. Yeah. One thing is I believe that there's magical moments. And I think that the heart is, sure. is bound to this different dimension of magic right? The, the heart of our being. And I know that probably sounds real woo woo. But the reason I say that is there are people who just refuse to take no for an answer. And I think that yeah. they live in this, this mental state and also physical state by believing in themselves or believing that there's something more than what they were told. And they defy odds and they shift and change matter. And I think all of us have the capability. And, and what's really interesting is that Part of that comes from ego, right? Mm -hmm. It's the ego saying like, I'll show you, you can't hold me down, right? And it's that proving, wanting to prove people wrong is living in the ego. But at the same time, there's a healthy part of that that helps to challenge the, and, and fight and disrupt the system that is in place. And I think that we're meant to do that. And I think that uh, it's challenging, it's uncomfortable, and that's why a lot of people don't do it. But I think there is a magic that is in our heart that is connected to this place of somewhere else, elsewhere. We'll call it elsewhere, right? <laughs> so, oh. yeah. So, so it's connected to that and we can tap into it. And I think it can help us manipulate timelines and structures and railroad tracks. But I think there's not a lot of people doing that. So, I think it's really important if we have family members or friends or community members that are 
defying the odds and fighting the system and, and carrying that weight to see that as a sacred thing for us and our family, for our communities, for, you know, and to really support that in ways that we can, because I think people don't realize like how much support goes uh, to those people that, you know, probably feel unseen, unheard, uh, and feel like they're kind of fighting a hopeless battle sometimes, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, the people who do especially people who do things for the first time, right? How, what they have to imagine mentally or whatever else. And I don't mean the first time for themselves. I mean like the first time in human history. Right, yeah. They change what people think is possible. Yes. And when we change how we think something is what, when we change what we think is possible and we change how we go about doing it, like, I can't remember exactly the guy's name who, um, I mean, this is now that analogy sucks because I don't know the details. <laughs> but remember, there was that guy who ran, like, the fastest mile, right, that people, until that time, right, I think it was, like, was it, like, four minutes or something? Um, I don't know. Or it was, like, it was 100 meters in less than 10 seconds, Right where no human had ever run 100 meters in less than 10 seconds. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. one person did it. Yeah. Right? And then once that person did it, like the next year, there were like hundreds of people doing it. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And nothing changed <laughs> except that people believed that, oh, well, he can do it. I can do it too now. Right. Right? Yeah. And yet for that person, the originator, he had to have some extraordinary belief that, he can do the what was seen as impossible yeah right and then is looked to as the idol and the you know marker of uh, success and yet when he was trying to do it you know i bet people were saying all kinds of crazy things that like it's impossible why are you wasting your time <laughs> it's not going to happen you know mm -hmm. physics this and physics that and it's like he was just like i don't care what you say yeah i'm gonna do it yeah yeah right. um now it, it's a very interesting lesson in psychology of how what you believe you can do influences whether you're able to do something, right? Yeah. And I think that's where, like, this concept of manifesting comes into play because what you believe can happen, you, it's very unlikely that something will happen that you don't believe will happen. Yeah. I mean, it's possible mm -hmm. and it does happen. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of like personal goals and things like that, yeah. right, it's much more likely that something will happen if you believe it can happen yeah, rather than actually believing it can't happen. And yeah. I was just going to say, I think that it's 100% true and it's like comes down to the people that you surround yourself with. If you have people that are saying, great job, man, keep going, you're doing amazing. I, I know this is going to be so cool to see you when you, you know, accomplish this goal versus people that are like, man get a real job, like give up on this dream that you're doing, like, you know, go, go do something yeah. real. And it's like, I think it's important, two things in this. One is how important it is as people, like you with your podcast, you're bringing all of these different people and philosophies and theories and viewpoints and perspectives to people. And they are connecting with this information in ways like you said like oh he did it or they did this i could do that and and it's like i think it's the ripples of possibility just like you were saying and you think about like michael jordan jumping from the foul line 
and dunking. No one had ever done that before. And now people are yeah. dunking from beyond the foul line, you know, and, and people are getting bigger and stronger and, and uh, jumping further and, and higher. And, and uh, yeah, so it's like, it's just like you said, someone shows that it's possible and then other people dream bigger than what was possible or thought impossible before. And I think like it's just so crucial to the growth of our spirit as a hum- human human race, a, a collective. And um, I think it's so important to like have people share their stories, like to know that no one's small or big or, you know, every story, there's something that resonates with everybody and that we're all here to live this interconnected ripple and to share those stories because you never know who's listening and who needs to hear what you're sharing, you know. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, just think about how like one sentence from one person that was said to you at some point in your life yeah. just stuck with you. Yes. And they might have just said it in casually in passing, right? And they might not even remember that they said it. And yet something about that just clicked something in your brain that just changed everything. Right right it might have taken years before anything actually happened because of that but you remembered and it stuck with you yeah right and it's like everything every interaction everything you say matters and affects people um and i think you know you were talking a lot about how it's important to surround yourself with the right people right and i I couldn't agree more and it's also important i think you know to acknowledge that like when people are going through those like tremendously difficult times, how difficult it actually is, right? Because it's easy to see someone go through challenge and come out the other side and say, I can do that. And then when you're actually doing it in your own challenge, <laughs> yeah. right? Man, it's a different story. Yeah, yeah. And, and all the logic, you know, and reasoning can only get you so far, but there is something that is far deeper I was actually thinking about this last night because I couldn't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Is that uh, you can only reason yourself so far, right? And by reason, I mean using sort of pure logical thinking. And you get to a point where emotional thinking becomes a higher priority and it just shuts off that reason, of, uh, reason thinking. Um, And it's a very difficult balance to contend with. And everyone's aware of this. It's like, you know, all of these things that you think you should be doing and you have the capacity to do it. And yet you aren't doing it for some reason. Right. right? And that's because there is some emotional uh, reflective happening that's happening at a more fundamental level that's stopping you from doing it. And that's okay, Right. That's part of being human and growing and learning to challenge those things and actually follow through with the things that are going to help make your life better in in various ways um and so it's not that you should just stop doing it or that it's all the same but it's like no it's good to recognize that stuff but it's like i think during those really deep dark moments that people face when their challenge is you know really at one of the highest or deepest levels right that you need those people around you who will push you to keep going because when you're at that turning point right of like i either go forwards keep going even though this is you know just as much suffering as i can just about bear at this point or i turn back and ease my suffering but not move forwards yeah right and then you get those people who will be like no 
And I think it, the truest of friends or companions or whatever it is are not the people who just encourage you to keep going, but who kind of, you know, come next to you and put their arm around you and say, I'll take some of that suffering with you to help you get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And let's walk down this road together. It's not just like cheerleading and that helps, but it's more of like, we're in this together now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I will help you. I will try and take some of your suffering and then you take some of mine. That's a reciprocity clause of friendship. Yeah. Um, but it that to me is the sort of like the, the most powerful human interaction is when someone sees your friend suffering and goes, I'm going to jump in that pit with you, right? Because I care and that's what it's the right thing to do to help you be better and do better. Yeah. I agree. Um, those are some amazing friends and, you know, usually in our lifetime we get a few of those. That's um, hard to find and few and far between, you know. Um, yeah. Someone the other day on a interview, they asked me what it was like when I went through my dark night of the soul and I told them that it felt like being a, a fighter pilot that got shot down behind enemy lines because... I found it really challenging in my ego to reach out to friends or family and that I took a great deal of suffering and did it in a, you know, a perspective of solitude. And um, because I think ultimately I didn't know if I was going to make it out and I didn't want to pull anyone else into that with me. And what's really interesting is you, you see this in the military, they will break a person down emotionally and it seems really harsh. But what they're doing is they want to strip away so that when you're in these moments of trauma and real life-threatening situations and a lot of people's minds go blank, they want the, when you go into that blank space that you're falling back on this programming. And this programming that they're setting up is very logistical and... Um, analytical you know it's detached Mm -hmm. from emotion and you're basically operating from muscle memory and operating as a machine and i think that um when i was in that moment and i felt like there was nobody there i had to revert back to my programming and what i found was an even harder lesson which was most of my programming was based in trauma was based in um uh, you know, insecurity and fear. And there was a lot of things where I, you know, unless I had lost everything and went through this dark night, I would have never had to face that side, those sides of myself in that way. And when I did that, I also saw that I did not like that (laughs) side of me. So I started really kind of reprogramming and the reprogramming started coming through in books like think and grow rich, uh, the master key system, um, a lot of Yogananda books, Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, Joe Dispenza, um, you know, basically breaking down and rewiring the brain. And I found it to be really useful for me to write my goals down, to write the mm. things that I wanted to put in my brain and to put sticky notes around my apartment that gave me positive outlooks. And these became my friends, you know, these written uh, words, these messages on on sticky notes all through the apartment in my refrigerator by light switches in the bathroom mirror i was seeing them and reinforcing this new philosophy this new way of believing on a daily basis and 
this is nothing new. You know, this is things that for a hundred years people have been preaching and talking to us about. It's about us taking the responsibility to try and then to see through effort that it's being effective and then having the, the courage and the confidence to keep pursuing that on a consistent basis. And I think that's such a huge part of this is the consistency because in that same interview, the person asked me, do you believe that you could listen to this music? And then that's all you have to do. You'll be healed. And then do you have to keep listening to it? And I said, well, it's like saying you could go on a diet and lose weight and then go back to eating the same way that you were before and then think you're not going to gain weight or get out of shape again. Mm -hmm. You know, that this is a, I heard Deepak Chopra say one time that this evolution of consciousness is not a journey, right? It's not like you're going for a goal and then once you get there, everything is, is fixed. Like he was like, this is an ongoing process where it is a journey, but it's not a journey for destination. It's a journey that is going to be ever evolving for your entire lifespan, you know? And I think that there's a way to get into a rhythm that makes it easy and fun and you can get, mm -hmm. you know, secure and safe in that, uh, you know, um, consistency and that dedication. But I think like, it's just really interesting to know that most of us default to negative because of the way our brains are wired to protect us. And most of us wire to a lazy mentality, you know, because we want things to be easy and, um, yeah, so I just I think this whole process is amazing. It's it's fun and and crazy and scary and humbling. So, what was the the point in your dark night of the soul where something changed? Was there a point? Yeah, or was it a gradual thing? Yeah, I think I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I finally came to the realization that nobody was going to save me. That I had to become my own superhero to lift myself out of the situation. And I think that was the moment that was the defining point in time where, you know, I just said, I'm either going to die going through the suffering. Uh, you know, I was diagnosed with, uh, MS and colon cancer in 2011, 2012. Um, and just went through a lot of different, you know, a whole plethora of health issues that were associated with both of those, um, diagnosis and, um, yeah, I just got to a point where help and uh, reinforcements weren't coming. And, you know, it was like you're at the Alamo fighting off the uh, the, the forces of evil. And you have to yeah. make the decision that you're going to make your final stand. And I think that's what happened for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the psychological impact of that cause can be devastating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like people talk about physical health conditions and it's not often thought about how intense of a psychological impact that stuff can have yeah even if you're cured of whatever ailment it is it's like yeah but that's it's only one part of it yes right? yes you also need to work through whatever psychology you went through mm -hmm. um and what's also interesting about you know these kinds of stories you know forgive me for calling it a story i mean it's your life but um is that, you know, once you had that moment, right, and uh, what, what do they call it, um, whatever, the aha moment mm -hmm. or something like that, it's like, even if you have that, right, the road ahead is still tough, right, and it's still a challenge, yeah, and it's still going to be fraught with doubt and, you know, indecisiveness and 
suffering, but if you're suffering for the right reason in your mind, and then at least it's worth it. Yeah. Right. So once you decided you want to live, right, then you can make that decision, and then everything that you go through from that point on, you can justify with that conviction. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's hard, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life, life's tough, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's rough, and no one, no one gets out of it, and doesn't matter who you are. I think that everyone is just faced with these just the most challenging situations for that for that person, right? It doesn't matter what kind of money and power and influence you have. Oh, okay. Hello, dog. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Ted's it. Okay, no one's here. Hey, hey, hey. Doesn't matter what kind of money and power. Okay, wait, let me just let that. Yeah, no problem. I think uh, Amazon dropped something off or something. <laughs> and my dogs wanted to, you know, yeah. protect the house. Um, but yeah, but so before we sort of end off, we haven't even really spoken about yeah. <laughs> this music that you make. Well, I, I enjoyed this. This is a lot of fun, man. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. But because you had mentioned that, um, you know, people ask you this healing music that you make. Like, is that enough? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I liked your analogy about the diet and the exercise. And I think that um, people, myself included, right? Like we want the quick fix. We want to not have to do it. We want the pill that will fix us. And sometimes there is such a thing as that. But sometimes, more often than not, there isn't. Right. right? That's only just a part of what needs to be done. And that's a really hard thing to accept. Yeah. Because it means that you have to put in effort and I think it can be tremendously challenging at a time when it feels like you have nothing left to give. Yeah, right? yeah. And you just feel defeated. Yes. And yet, somehow, it's possible. Yeah. Right, somehow, something can change inside of you where you make that decision or whatever happens and you go, okay, I'm not done fighting. Yeah. And I'm going to use all the tools available to me to do this and this healing music is one of those things and you know how, how have you found that it helps people so what I wanted to create was basically a soundtrack for healing uh, meaning that mm-hmm. it's not just for the yoga mat or for going to bed and listening to for meditative purposes but also for focus productivity um, targeting different brainwave states um, a majority of the music I create is in theta p- pattern theta brainwave pattern and it's you know two things in the theta theta is like what we hit just before rem sleep so it's a very sedative uh relaxed state of being but it's also probably one of the most highly programmable states you know brainwave states that you can like learn a new skill learn a new language you know all these different things um it's just a really highly programmable state so if you're working with a uh, hypnotherapist a life coach a counselor that is trained in helping to do mind over matter and reprogramming of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically really helpful um, to really facilitate a groundbreaking change with this music and in that content of context of intention uh, versus um, the, like manifesting an intention based focus of 
you know, mentality and then pairing it with the music. It's just like a soundtrack, just like a movie. Mm. There's movies that the music really amplifies the experience and like creates more tension. Yeah. So I just view this music as the same for your healing journey is it's just adding Mm. a soundtrack and emotion and helping people to settle into um, tapping into the heart or tapping into the brain or, you know, tapping into a different mindset. Right, so it's not going to do it for you, but it helps you do it or, or facilitates your doing it to yourself kind of a thing. Yeah. Whatever you want to, however you want to phrase yeah, it. Yeah, basically, right. I'm hoping for me what it did and what I'm hoping that it does for others um, and that we're getting a lot of great feedback that it's in, you know, accordance with that is that basically... Um, the the music is helping people feel like they're sitting in the quiet of the storm. They can still observe their yeah. thoughts. They still observe those old patterns, but they're able to look at it in a different perspective when the music sets in and they really spend time with it on a consistent basis. Right. And the, another thing that's really interesting about it is how... Because I've, I've listened to a lot of these, you know, frequency-based music tracks, and, and I do it generally during motivate i mean meditation mm-hmm. not motivate yeah. um sure no 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 now my headphones are stuck. I'm being pulled down to the floor. <laughs> um, when you're really focused in, right, and, and attention is a huge part of this, is that when you're really focused in, it it somehow like changes how you're feeling and thinking, yeah. right? And and it helps me just clear my mind if I can just focus on the sound and the vibration. Um, and... It's just remarkable, and I've never tried it in the context of like trying to do something else. Actually, that's not true. Sometimes I do it when I'm studying or working or something like that. I'll go for the sort of alpha wave uh, frequencies, yeah, because right? that supposedly helps with concentration and memory and um, cognitive functioning, a higher cognitive functioning, as they say. Yeah, um, and I, f- I like it. I found it helpful. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was super excited to talk today and we didn't really talk much about it. <laughs> but we had a better conversation. Yeah, it's all yeah no. No complaints, yeah, you know? Yeah, I love it, man. Um, yeah, well, I, I would love to invite people to check out some of the music. Like the the yes. website is listening to smile, the number one dot bandcamp.com so listening to smile one dot bandcamp.com and there's free samples on there that they can listen to and check out um there's a lot of different albums like for pain relief for anxiety you know so it gives them an idea of like what the target is on the album and it makes it real easy to kind of listen to and they can make purchases on there um, and then we have a program that we work with holistic practitioners and it's our membership program where you get a new album every month. We create a new album that's in line with the astrology and kind of the collective energy each month. And people are able to use it in commercial settings, have the proper license and permissions to use it. And then they can also resell it to their clients. They can create custom like binaural beats and, and guided meditations for their clients that way. And, um, yeah, so, so we have that. And then basically, um, 
we make customized music and work with people one-on-one as well, like a coaching base. So all that's on our website, listeningtosmile.com. And um, yeah, so listeningtosmile.com has all that information that they can check out. That's awesome, man. And I'll I'll include the links in the description and people should definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, man, I really want to thank you for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, and, man. Uh, I look forward to to the next. Yeah, one. awesome, man! Thank you so much for having me. All right, take okay. care. Thanks, Thanks man. Bye bye. Bye.